Hi, this is Dunica, and you're very welcome to This Is Community. On today's show, I speak to Sue Redmond, who is, amongst many other things, an experienced teacher in meditation and mindfulness practice. We take a look at the benefits of meditation, some of the myths around it, and Sue gives some practical advice on how to go about getting started. Next week, from the 21st of September, we are celebrating National Volunteering Week. If there ever was a year to celebrate volunteering, it's 2020. This year, the focus of the week is thanking volunteers and organisations for everything they have done this year and encouraging everyone to focus on their own health and well-being during the week. It's been a tough year for everyone, so it's important to make sure we're all looking after ourselves. As part of our celebration and thank you, Sue will be delivering two online introduction to meditation sessions on the morning of Monday 21st and the evening of Tuesday 22nd. If you would like to find out more, just check out the notes on on this show or go to www.volunteergalway.ie where you can get more information and you can register. Registration is free and anybody is welcome to attend. So I met, spoke to Sue recently and I started off just getting an idea about how she ended up being interested in meditation. So Sue, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm great, Donica. How are you? Good, good, good. Um, I know obviously we're going to be talking about meditation and the benefits of meditation and your, your experiences, I suppose, as a meditator, but also as, a, as an instructor. Um, but before we get started talking about meditation, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe how you ended up in this kind of in this space? Yeah, um, I suppose there was no straight path for me. Shall we say I started out uh, with a degree in science, so kind of that inquiring mind, bit of curiosity around how things work, how the body works, focusing on pharmacology with the idea of, you know, there's diseases and illnesses out there and how can we find ways to treat them. And so after working in that area for a while and then traveling around the world, more questions about, well, how does this all link into living better? You can have a, a healthy functioning body, but your mind maybe isn't so and actually isn't that the bigger question how do we deal with all of the chaos the challenges that face us in life the ups and the downs and remain calm peaceful happy content in the midst of strong emotions like anger and frustration and passion Um, so i suppose these questions led me to as i said traveling around the world and volunteering in different capacities in different countries And then I came across a type of meditation called the Passion app, insight meditation. And the induction into that is a 10 day silent retreat, which is quite an upfront investment. (laughs) It's all in. (laughs) It's all in, it's full commitment. And I'm gonna be honest, I hadn't really meditated much before. I'd, I'd probably struggled a bit and I'm gonna be honest, I struggled. I did a thing called the inner smile for a few years and um, but I always felt like I wasn't doing it right and I was getting caught in the method. And, but actually when I went and I, it's a, the passion of the thing that drew me to that was this idea that you could really manage your mind, um, your experience, your thoughts, and, and be able to, I suppose, disconnect from them in a healthy way. Uh, and people that came out of it spoke so glowingly of it and just how insightful it was into their lives so I was like this is without a doubt this is something I have to do so I, I went and I did my first one of those oh it's a good while ago now we had none 15 years and yeah. um it blew my mind it, like one thing I would say it's like going in um like a rusty old penny 
and coming out like you've just been scrubbed clean. Um, yeah, just amazing. And, so, yeah. You, I mean, you have an interest in kind of sports and um, like th- things like triathlons as well. I mean, was that was that related to your interest in meditation, or did 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 they kind of did they join together in any way, or? You know, they did. I've, I've been very interested in sports I've like all my life. So I started out with athletics as a kid and then I went into martial arts. I have a black belt in Taekwondo and I um, pursued that for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then I moved into surfing, how I met you, Donica, and then um, <laughs> into sports like triathlon. So one of the big things that I've always had in my life is the question of how far can I challenge myself? Can I achieve um, certain things like um can can my body swim I was never a very good swimmer but can it swim so last year after I had my twins I said can I swim across Goa Bay I'm not I'm not the best swimmer in the world far from it but I love the idea of a challenge and seeing if I can physically and mentally rise to it so meditation has been very powerful for me in terms of my ability to surf it has absolutely helped me there Um, in terms of getting caught up in the competitiveness of triathlon. It has absolutely helped me there to stay grounded and focused on myself as opposed to other people, um, which I often see at the beginning of races, people get very swept up in pre-race anxiety or different things. Mm -hmm. So it's enabled me to bring a lot more of my presence and that presence and put an energy into my body to focus on where I want to go and what I want to do. And I think without it, sometimes I can be a little bit, I think we can all be a little bit fragmented and distracted and pulled along by the prevailing thought or yeah, no, happening yeah. around. I, I, th- I think that's probably especially so at, at, the, at the minute of what's, what's going on all, all around us. It, it's, it sounds like, like oftentimes meditation is seen almost like as a, a religious or a, a, a spiritual exercise. But from what you're saying, it sounds like you approach it more from a, scientific or even like a technical approach that it's a tool that could be used to achieve a thing that you wanted to achieve um i would say for me it's more like applied psychology so if you imagine science to be the observation of matter so you observe something to get a better understanding of it essentially meditation is the observation of your mind of your own mind so you don't accept what sue redmond says or donica foley says you um, you take this skill or this technique and you apply it to your own life and then you see well, what in my life is going really well and how can I amplify that by focusing on it more? And what in my life do I maybe spend more time overthinking or analyzing or focusing on the negative and seeing if there are ways that I can bring less judgment and harshness to that? So it's by bringing that sense of observation of the mind. Yes, it's, it's, it's a bit more scientific in the approach, but I like to think of it as literally applying psychology in your daily life. <laughs> So, would, would sorry would you see as an ex, as a, like as an exercise or, or a practice um would you see there being a lot of evidence to show that that it that it works i suppose i don't know pe- people can be skeptical about this type of thing yeah i think there's uh, people think it can be very fluffy and mm. you know hippie uh, but there's so much evidence um that have been coming out over the last 15 20 years around the benefits that it has so it's been shown to lower blood pressure, reduce anxiety, decrease the feeling, the experience of pain, ease symptoms of depression, improve, improve sleep. So, for example, if you just look at depression, um, that, that low mood or that feeling that life is maybe overwhelming, research shows that 
things like mindfulness-based stress reduction and mindfulness-based cognitive therapy are as effective as antidepressants in preventing relapse into depression. Okay, right. so what that shows us is that if we can look at the point in which somebody starts to feel like they've been pulled down into a depression where they feel like they're not good enough, first they have that feeling of a low mood and then they don't feel good enough. But it, that feeling alone, if we could understand that, that that experience passes, we wouldn't get as caught up in and as entangled in it. The, the next feeling that comes along that pulls the person into depression is that that judgment that they shouldn't be feeling this way, which makes them feel even worse. So we are so judgmental and hard on ourselves. The beauty of meditation is that it helps us to bring a bit more of a sense of balance of mind. So of being non-judgmental. How can I be with this present experience without condoning it, without thinking that it should be any other way mm-hmm. and just accept it as it is. So it's really it's trying to change it from being just a spiritual piece, which some people, you know, there's definitely a spiritual component for some people wanting to connect to God and the universe. For others, that, there's that piece of, can I connect to the here and now? Um, and there's different, different types of meditation uh, that resonate with different people as well. And like, what, what do you think are some of the, the myths around meditation? Because I, I remember I tried meditation 20 years ago and probably because I didn't get any instruction, I, it just didn't, I just didn't get it. Yeah. So that would be very like my, my starting experience um, was trying it on the back of something that somebody had told me and they gave me a, a printed out sheet and I was yeah. following it. <laughs> and I struggled and I bet myself up for quite a long time because I wasn't, I was meant to be feeling this bliss and this whatever. And I was feeling anything but bliss. <laughs> I was feeling pure agitation and frustration. And so some myths are that, you know, you'll be peaceful and calm or that you, you, it will stop you thinking. You'll be able to control your thoughts. Actually, it's not about stopping your thinking. It's about being able to observe your thinking and not get caught in it. So if you imagine your thoughts are there and they pop up and they bubble away, so some of the most simple, rudimentary thoughts over and over again, um, and they just keep repeating themselves. So it isn't about stopping our thinking. It's starting to notice that our thinking is heading in a particular way and coming back to something that will anchor us in the present moment, which can be the breath. It can be the sensations of the body. It can be the emotions. It can be even labeling the thoughts that you experience. So it isn't about stopping thinking. It's about being able to observe your thoughts and remain then getting caught up and tangled in them and infused with them. Another one is that, you know, I need to be, I need to be a master at it to make it worth doing. I'm going to have to invest tons of time um, to get any, any good at it. And while certainly um, putting in a, a nice amount of time up front helps as opposed to maybe we can, you can sign up to things like Headspace or Calm, these different apps, which are 10 minutes a day and they have a benefit. But actually when we put in, say, something like an eight-week course or even a, a slightly you know, longer piece, but evidence shows that we have substantial benefits that emerge from that investment. So if you do eight weeks, it's like bringing your brain to the gym and learning to actually harness this incredible muscle that is your mind. And by the end of eight weeks, you, you not only have like a different way of relating to your life, but you've actually strengthened the pathways, the neural processing in your brain to enable you to, to see how you react to stress and to step out of that. So you don't, you have these stress triggers, but instead of getting trapped by them, you can actually choose to respond. Um, 
Mm. Other things are like, it'll automatically take, make you peaceful. Sometimes it will frustrate you. Um, and sometimes it will be blissful and serene. But it isn't about having, you know, the blissful one is the good one. It's about showing up every day and doing a bit every day and actually being able to look at some days we are stressed because of other things in our lives. And it's about being compassionate. So how can I cultivate these other qualities like compassion, appreciation, gratitude, forgiveness, um, and all of these things that actually make our lives so much more joyful and colorful uh, than purely being caught. Um, so yeah, there's, there's so many myths out there that it, oh, some people would be skeptical and say, well, it'll just make me apathetic and I'll lose my passion and spark. Yeah, yeah that's a big one, yeah. Yeah, but actually what it'll do is if you imagine a gla- glass or a bottle of water and you put dirt into it and you shake it up and agitate it, and there's so much of this silt spinning around the bottle. What meditation does, it helps, that, helps you to sit and to calm the mind so that those busy, frantic thoughts settle and you actually become more clear on the important ones, the ones that need your action. So instead of throwing your energy out in lots of different directions, we have a lot of people that get on the bandwagon of social media and fear and mm-hmm. anger and frustration on lots of different things. Instead of throwing out that energy all over the place and not actually making any meaningful change, it helps you to kind of bring in your energy and focus on what one thing or two things can I really shift the needle on and to put your energy in those areas. So we actually become less exhausted then as well because we, we start to feel overwhelmed when we feel like we have to throw our attention to everything and we simply can't. Do yeah, it, it, it's, 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 I mean, I, I'd be a person who does kind of t- 10 minutes a day, I suppose, but it's, there's a definite feeling that you're just taking a little bit of control, even it's just the fact that you're, you're sitting down for 10 minutes to do this and everything else is just put aside for, for the 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and you, you, you quickly realize how much your mind babbles, just the amount of, it's like a, a waterfall, it's just <laughs> thoughts after thought after thought. Um, so, I mean, would you see as there being any, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's a very powerful practice are there any risks to meditation or can, can anybody do it? Well, I think no more than what you said before. When you try to doubt, go into it yourself um, on your own, and if there are things like past trauma, particularly sexual trauma or very, um, very traumatic early experiences, sometimes medita- when we sit in meditation, it brings up emotions that we have buried. So without having a skilled teacher, it can be very challenging for somebody to face into these difficult emotions and there's the fear that they may be re-traumatized in the process so what I would say is it's helpful to have a teacher to guide you through those processes and doing it in a trauma-sensitive way Mm -hmm. Um, so so yeah like anything like anything that you do there is going to be a challenge with it um, for some people but for the vast majority of people where there isn't that kind of trauma um, there's there are a lot of benefits. Yeah. And just just to speak just speak about about the the, the benefits. Um, like obviously you've seen benefits from the kind of I suppose the sporting side. I mean it, it helps around the management of anxiety. But and you're saying that, that a lot of that can be applied to to day to day life because I, I mean there there are a lot of people who live fairly sedentary what would be considered sedentary lives. Um, or something might like meditation be of use to to that kind of person? 
Absolutely. So we have, um, I suppose, we live in a world now where we've become very busy and quite stressed by different things. So we have this old brain that re has learned to react to things in order for us to stay alive for our survival. So it was good for us to know that there was a bear in this part of the woods, so we would stay safe. Um, but now that part of our brain hijacks us to some extent when we're in an office environment or a work situation where maybe an email comes in from our boss and we're stressed because we need to respond to it or we have a huge workload. So actually our amygdala is a part of our brain that a, a little bit acts like, the, like a smoke detector. And it takes in all this information that's around us. And it's absolutely vitally important when we're in the car, for example, and somebody pulls out in front of us, the, our amygdala acts really quickly and we slam on the brakes and we save ourselves and the other person possibly. But when we now, we react to things real or perceived in our lives, like emails or threats that maybe aren't there. Um, actually, meditation sh shows us that it, it helps to dampen that amygdala activation to stressors. So it helps us to actually reduce workplace stress or stressors that we may find with our children or in our lives, maybe if we don't have children and want them. Um, so we can actually learn to relate to our lives a little bit differently. So if we're particularly sedentary, what it can do is help us to become aware that, oh my God, I've been sitting for most of the day. Yeah. What would it be like to get up and to bring a bit of movement into my, into my day? Um, even if it's every hour you get up and you do some some gentle movements a lot of people are at laptops working from home at the moment not even with the, the best setup for ergonomics so that their necks are straining and i'm sure they've got pains in their backs so even just bringing that awareness to how you're physically holding yourself hmm. can be immense so, so i was saying before there's different types of meditation some of it some one type of meditation is movement meditation and it doesn't necessarily have to be yoga. It can be walking in the woods or gardening or qigong or other types of gentle movement, tai chi. And it's an active form of meditation where you are aware of the movement while you're doing it. And it can be really good for people who find it more difficult to sit and they find that they're, they just can't handle the, the, the mind. Um, so bringing that kind of mindful movement into play can be really, really beneficial. Um, That's interesting because I remember when, when I actually started, I suppose, successfully meditating. I, it was walking meditation that I did because yeah. um, it was it was almost you were able to work with the kind of the, the distractions as you're as you're moving along. Whereas now we kind of find it easier to sit, but it does it does take a bit of time. I suppose it's it's fair to say that if you're sitting meditating, it, it you're not doing nothing. If that makes sense. Mm. Yes, and it may look like you're beautifully peaceful and serene on the outside <laughs> as you're sitting, but inside you could be having the battle of your life, you know, dealing I, I, with very real challenges and demons in your own life. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if this is a, a fair question, but say if, if somebody, how, how do you, say for somebody who was starting off meditating, how, how do they know if they're doing it correctly? Even I don't know if, even that if that's the right question to be asking. Yeah, it's a funny one, because you kind of think if you're meditating at all, you're doing it like, who's, who's going to judge that experience? Yeah. One way of absolutely knowing if you're going in the right direction is to talk to somebody that is maybe more experienced than you or a teacher. Um, because sometimes like that, like when I think about myself when I started out meditating and the frustration, the needless frustration that arose mm. for me, that made it a very difficult way for me to get into it. Um, 
could have so easily been alleviated and moved beyond if I'd had a, a teacher to, to guide me. Um, so I think sometimes it's worth investing in doing a course or some one-to-one sessions or something like that with a teacher or, or you know, going along with Head, Headspace or Calm or any of those apps mm-hmm. um, if you find them helpful for you. Sometimes we need to, there's, there's a beautiful thing in the group work of something like a mindfulness group where there's the discussion it brings and illuminates that sense of shared humanity that you're not the only one. So often I think when we sit on the cushion or we meditate in some way, um, we think, God, I'm the only one that's ever experienced this. And I'm the only one that's come up with these challenges. But when we sit in a, a group meditation class and we actually get to dissect some of this experience, we learn that, oh my God, I'm not the only one. And there's such a sense of relief in that. There's such a sense of connection with that common humanity and that shared humanness that we all experience. And I actually think that that's one thing we need more of in our world today. We've become so disconnected and we are so disconnected, even though we've never been more connected in some ways, Mm -hmm. but actually we are all struggling in our own way, in our own lives. And we can see that more than ever in the mental health crisis that's happening in this country and around the world. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think we need greater connection and greater understanding. So I think we get that if we come together in groups and create community um, and that shared sense of, I'm not alone in this. Not yeah, that, that, that applies. I mean, it's pick, pick a subject, pick anything that it applies to, to anything. Um, yeah. the, if you want to get good at anything, you go to look for help. a teacher or a yeah. master. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. The, do you like? Do you find? I suppose, say in Galway, um, is there? I suppose, would you get a sense of that? There's a better understanding of, I suppose, the benefits of meditation. That it's kind of moved out of that kind of alternative Eastern mysticism type of bracket that it has been in, and that it's taken more seriously now. Or, yeah, I think it has. I think it has. Um, without a doubt, there's been a lot more. Um, emphasis from the media around the benefits of it. There's been a lot more uptake of it in companies and organizations who see the benefits in terms of workplace wellness and like workplace stress. So there's, but, and I think at an individual level, people see that this is actually something they can do for themselves. Then when they try it and they get a, a sense of it, like I know I've had participants in courses who like, really struggle the first couple of weeks in and then when it starts to click they're like oh my god they couldn't go back like literally it's that transformative that they they see the the massive transformation it brings to their own reactivity to their own sense of wellness that it becomes a vital part just like brushing your teeth they're like i I literally couldn't not do it now um because to them it isn't a case of well this is a nice to have this is a must have um for, for wellness, but also performance and all these other things. So, yeah, no, I think Galway has definitely moved on in a lot of ways, yeah. In some ways, it's it's almost like, um, well, for, for me anyway, it, it's, it's almost like that apple a day kind of thing that you, if mm. you do regularly, you do small amounts of it, but do it regularly and kind of, I suppose, do, do as much as you can. That yeah. it is that kind of, it's, there's a certain amount of pr- prevention to it to it just helps you con- control your 
your emotions, I suppose, in one sense, and out of that, your actions from your emotions. So it's it's an incredible tool to to use, and it's it's incredibly inexpensive as well compared to well, lots of solutions that are that are suggested sometimes to us. Yeah, and how quick we will buy into something that says, you know, if it was a pill in the morning, if there was a pill that said this would help you to be calmer, to help you deal with your anxiety, your depression, and help you gain greater clarity in your life. How much would you pay for this? It's a pill and you can just take it and you don't have to commit anything else. People would be grappling over the counters into pharmacies <laughs> and, you know, and they literally would because it's like, oh my God, this is the solution. And they don't realize that the solution is within themselves with the right set of tools and in the right environment that actually the solution is there to help them to uncover all of these insights and how disempowering it is. Like this is from somebody that studied pharmacology. So when I started, yes. I was invested in how do we help people through the use of pills yes. to then move into actually there's a better way. There's a better way and it's a much more empowering way than taking a pill because you always, yeah, yeah. You're, you're handing your power over to something else to someone else. And absolutely, look, at, there is definitely a time for pharmacology when it comes to depression and anxiety. And if somebody is, you know, if the, the tools and techniques aren't helping, and particularly in things like grief and traumatic grief and things like that, there is absolutely a time for pharmacology. It just isn't necessary in every case. And I think we have become to rely on pharmacology far more than we as a species need. So yeah. I would say that yeah, there's a, an opportunity there for people to take back the control in their own hands and to, to, to build a skill. But it's a bit like a lot of things, you know, um, I've had people come and do, you know, a one hour session and we'd, you know, in a company or individually and do one hour session. And it's a bit like putting on your runners, isn't it? Putting on your runners and going for a quick run. Well, yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean that you've got the skill. Well, you've got the skills, you know how to run, but unless you put on the runners, so you'll get the skills after a one-hour session, you'll understand the piece about bringing your attention to the breath or to the body, or you'll, you'll get some degree of skill. Um, but if you don't put on your runners a couple of times a week, you're not going to be able to run that 5K or that 10K. Similarly, yeah. if you don't sit and put in the 10 minutes or the 20 minutes or the hour in some cases a day, then you're not going to build up the same level of cognitive muscle to be able to deal with the stresses and strains. So again, from having taught Taekwondo and martial arts, it's, it's like the dojo. You have your dojo, the place where you go to train. And when you start to train as a young martial artist, you throw an amount of punches. You have to perfect your punch before you're ever put into a ring to fight somebody, before you ever spar. And that is because you want to be able to to block and to punch with relatively good precision. Mm -hmm. And similarly, you want to practice the skills of being able to manage your own emotions on a mat, in the privacy of your own home or in a group where you can learn how to deal with these big emotions and challenging emotions before you ever face another person. No wonder we have so many challenges in our worlds. We're these very vulnerable human beings dealing with our own emotions and then we meet another person who is also a very vulnerable human being dealing with their own emotions. Yeah, and absolutely. it's a recipe for disaster. It's so just, just as, as you're talk, talking about that there, I'm just thinking, would you, have you seen much of an uptake when it comes to, um, I suppose, t teaching children how to meditate? 
because I mean we're all children, I suppose. But it's I mean if I had known how to meditate when I was you know eight or nine or even younger, I probably be, would have turned out to be somebody a little bit different anyway. But have yeah. you seen much uptake on that? There's definitely been an interest um, in teaching children, and there's there are a couple of programs out there um, to do that, and particularly in secondary school. I think there's the Dot B and there's a few, um, there's a group up in Mayo that they provide CDs for primary school level. Okay. I think it's Mindfulness Matters. Um, so there's definitely an interest. Um, some teachers, so if you were a teacher wanting to teach mindfulness, it would be beneficial to like to complete an, an accredited, uh, like an MBSR type mindfulness-based stress reduction course first and then okay. do a, a mindfulness teacher training um, to bring it in. Because there are a few things, like if you've got a child that's particularly panicky, Mm. or has anxiety Folk, things like focusing on the breath actually can bring the, about more panic and okay. more stress so it's been able to it's the awareness of those, those types of yeah. situations and when you've got 30 kids in a classroom it's you just you don't know the level of trauma that can be in that room so there's a skill that is needed to bring this in but what it's interesting that you say that because i would have thought the same as well like god i wish i'd learned this back when I was a teenager, this would have been amazing. Yeah. And then I, I actually ran a course a few years ago and there was two ladies um, from a company here in Galway were on it. It was a mindful leadership course and they had, were from India. And they said, oh my God, Sue, we learned this in school and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And I just resisted it because it was yeah. something we had to do. And there you I go. really yeah. just resisted it. And she said, everything you're saying now is stuff that my dad used to say but I'm actually ready to hear it now. <laughs> I just thought that that kind of sums it up. When you're yeah. ready, the teacher will appear. Yeah. So when you're ready to face the part of you that largely with, I find with, with life, we, we try to pull away from that, which is difficult. So we, we don't want to turn and face those difficult emotions, maybe from our childhood or from our past, but meditation and particularly compassion encourage us to turn or, turn around and face it and turn towards that which is difficult and embrace it. And we do not have to like it and we do not have to say that it was okay. Maybe things that happened in our past were absolutely horrific and they, there's no excusing what happened. But we can learn to relate to them in a different way and forgive ourselves, maybe even at some point in the future, forgive the other people that were involved. But actually the, the person we hurt most by carrying these difficult and strong emotions is ourselves um, because anger when held for a long time turns into resentment and turns in it's like what's that saying um it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die <laughs> okay yeah. yeah it's yeah and it i mean it builds up and it it has its own kind of physical mm. implications and chemical implications etc etc um the piece of the impact on the cortisol like so i started talking earlier about the amygdala what happens when the amygdala gets fired up it it triggers the limbic system and the whole system of our emotions and when we have a, a sense of threat whether it's real or, or perceived will fire off our fight or flight system which essentially readies us for action to fight or flight and if there isn't that you know if there isn't a real thing to fight there sometimes we'll make it up in our minds but our body doesn't know the difference so if we think that there's something that's threatening us it will have the same effect and then there's the other system um, the freeze system which essentially shuts us down so that we are protected um, and it's a an evolutionary process that is attempting to protect us from possible imminent death and there's a lot of shame when we 
don't fight back. And so if you think about in school, maybe a teacher asked you a question and you completely froze, completely froze and you didn't have the answer and you felt embarrassed by that. That was just your freeze system. And, and this happens in cases where somebody is attacked on the street or, you know. So these systems are there for a reason, but we, there's a lot of shame um, attached to how our system, not us, we have inherited this hardware. Um, mm a lot of shame on how our system acts so the, and how we've been conditioned from early childhood. So just kind of to come back to that piece, like the, the actual intentional slow and deep breathing that comes with compassion training. So there's a lot of use of visualizations in compassion training helps to stimulate the vagus nerve and to reduce anxiety and increase the parasympathetic system. So this helps us to kind of calm the mind and the body and the same then with mindfulness that a sense of, attention to the present moment without judging it helps to activate that parasympathetic nervous system it's, 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 it's a, sorry sue it's, it's it's amazing to get um that kind of analysis of like i i, I am and i suppose a lot of other people I, if i'm doing something i like to know why it works yeah. and just to, and just to get that um, description from you of, of you know after this happens you know there is a certain amount of you do this that has this has this is the impact it has neuro, neurologically chemically um, which is something we don't hear a lot well I don't think we don't hear a lot of when it comes to you know things like meditation practice um, yeah. if 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 there, if there was somebody kind of listen to us now who's who's listened to you talk and is kind of going okay that that makes sense to me that's just something that I'm going to, I'm going to try what advice would you give to them if they were starting out or they were wanted to take the next step? Well, I suppose ask for them to ask themselves, like, what, what do they want to give? What do they want to invest in it? Do they want to invest in an app and, and go down that route? Or do they want to invest their time or money into um, a, a drop-in class or to a, a bigger program, like an eight-week program, is it a commitment. It's not quite the 10-day, it's not quite yeah. the 10-day passionate, but that is certainly there, there. And I think if anybody is listening and they have the time, it is one of the most wonderful gifts you'll ever give yourself. I've gone back and I think I, I've done that many times now. Um, I, I would love to go now and do it, but I have twin girls, so they're so small, so it could be a while before I get to do another 10-day, but... Um, it is definitely one of the most nourishing, nourishing experiences. So the, there, there are some options at the very low level investment for what is it, a five or a month headspace. And you can do your 10 minutes a day and they have little nice animations and cam is very similar. And there's a whole bunch of other apps out there. Actually, there's another one called Inside Timer and they have loads of um, individuals who upload their stuff. Or you can just use the bell, hit the bell at the beginning and hit the bell at the end. Okay. Um, People can read books. Thich Nhat Hanh is one of my absolute favorites. He, when you think about the walking meditation we were talking about earlier, Donica, he's a lovely saying that I use um, when I'm doing walking meditation with my participants. It's walk as if you're kissing the earth with your feet. <laughs> walk as if you're kissing the earth with your feet. And it's just beautiful. And in saying that, I realized how fast I've been talking because there's just so much I want to share about this because I'm very passionate about it. Of so course. And, and, and one of the reasons why it's good to do a longer course so you get time to digest. There's so much in it. There's so much in it. It is quite simple, like the actual practice of bringing your attention to the breath without judging it, with a gentle curiosity to what is happening 
right now is very simple. The challenge we have as this human species is remembering to bring our attention back to the present moment again and again, because Absolutely. the mind, as you know, will be gone <laughs> to the next out the door, out the door, planning, 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 worrying, stressing, ruminating, remembering, doing all these wonderful tasks. That we're so fortunate that it can do, but sometimes they trip us up and how much more we can get out of our lives when we know how to manage that cleverly. Brilliant. That, that, that's great. I really appreciate you coming on to talk to us. Um, no, it's all done. I really enjoyed it. Um, we, we have a couple of questions that we, we, we ask everybody. And I know you're not a native of Galway. No, I'm from Wexford, the sunny southeast. Oh, okay. It's, 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 still, it's still sunny. Um, the, so what we always ask people is if, if you met somebody or if you were trying to explain Galway to somebody, what, what would you say to them? So I would say Galway is beautiful. It is incredibly beautiful. It is by the ocean. It's lively, engaging. It has a vibrant art and theater scene. It's a real melting pot from people all around the world. And it will steal your heart. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I think that's happened to a lot of people, myself included. Um, The, if, uh, I suppose on the opposite side, then if there was one thing you could change about Galway, what would it be? So the one thing that I, if I was in a position to change anything, it would be to change homelessness in Galway. I think if we were more compassionate as an island nation, we absolutely can solve these problems that face our most vulnerable people. And we just need to put the effort and the energy into it and to really see how truly connected we are. Because at the core of a lot of people who end up in a homelessness situation, um, there's mental health, there's drug and alcohol abuse, and all of this stems from actually disease and, you know, um, inner challenges that have not been dealt with. So we're, there's a lot of emotional trauma for people that are homeless. Um, one of the things I'm hoping to do this October is to do the sleep out for Galway Simon okay. community. So, yeah, and no, I think homelessness is a huge problem. I, th- I think if, if the last six months have shown anything that um, when there's a will, there's a way yeah. to, be yeah, able to, to be able to make changes. Um, is, is there anything else you'd like to, to say before we finish up? Um, I'd say just try it. You know, like if you're curious, if this conversation has ignited even a tiny spark of curiosity or you, you face a challenge and you're like, just try it. You've literally nothing to lose. Um, and sometimes when we bring that sense of childlike curiosity into our lives, it helps us to appreciate that which we have. Often we can look at our lives and see what's not working. Just like if you keep looking for what's not working, that's exactly what you'll see. But if you exactly. change the frame on, your, on the painting, you can see what's good in your life and begin to feel grateful for it. That's brilliant. Thanks. That's, that's, a, that's a great way to finish. So that was my conversation with Sue earlier. I hope you got something out of that. And if you're considering starting meditating, that it might spur you into action. As I mentioned earlier, Sue will be delivering two online introduction to meditation sessions on the morning of Monday 21st and the evening of Tuesday 22nd. Part of these sessions will be a short piece of meditation practice. So if you're interested in joining us, check out our show notes or go to www.volunteergalway.ie where you'll see a little bit more information and you can register with us. 
So hopefully we will see you next Monday or Tuesday. But if not, I hope you have a great National Volunteering Week and take care and we'll talk to you again soon.